Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite people to have on the show, Jen Pound. Jen is a retired RCMP staff sergeant and has been a guest on the show a number of times. Today, we're also joined by a friend of Jen's, Greg Scullin. Now, if you don't already know, we've been working through a series on detangling identity, and we've been talking about the need to protect our sense of self, our identities, from becoming entangled and enmeshed with the work roles we serve in. We have, throughout the series, talked about the risks of over-identifying with the job, particularly when the work you do is so crisis-driven and out of your control. We've also talked about practical tools for supporting greater protections around our identity, including building balance and crafting control. Today, we're talking about cultivating connection, and I'm so pleased to get to talk about this and related topics with two people who have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. Jen retired from the RCMP after discovering that she was facing post-traumatic stress injuries from her time working with the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team in Vancouver. She has shared in previous episodes about the impact of that work and the lack of support she received when she most needed it. The systemic dysfunction and lack of support was career-ending for this incredible woman who is a legacy member. Married to an RCMP member, the daughter and sister to RCMP members, she was all in. But when push came to shove, they weren't all in for her. When I asked Jen if she would be interested in joining me for an episode during this series, she offered connection to a friend, Greg, and when I heard his story, I was thrilled to have them both on. Greg worked for Shaw. That's right, he's not a first responder. But his experience being suddenly let go from work he had poured himself into is relevant, and I think that his insights from going right, through the process well, of loss so and reinventing himself and are significantly meaningful really, for really you to hear. That. And I really appreciate so with that, that quick intro, willing let's and get into it. sharing some of your story in terms of what work has been like and how identifying with your work has been a piece to kind of work through in the process of kind of detangling from the work that you've done. Um, as a bit of an opener, would each of you mind maybe just telling a little bit about what it is that you have done, what it is that kind of brings you to today's topic. Um, and yeah, just kind of let everyone know what, what it feels like to kind of be able to share about this topic. Jen, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, I've, I've been recently retired. Well, recently as in last year. 
Um, I had 24 years in the RCMP and um, worked in various units throughout my career, ended on uh, the homicide unit. And, and through that, retiring, I found to be quite difficult in that I was very tied into my job. Um, I come from a, a history, a family of RCMP officers. So it was very much um, in my blood. Uh, very much part of my life. My friends, my family, all were RCMP officers. So hitting retirement and, and coming into sort of a world where that didn't exist as much was very, very difficult. And I'm, I'm honestly still trying to transition into what that looks like for me. Um, but I, I think it's an important topic. And I think a lot of people, it doesn't matter what your role is. I think a lot of people tie themselves up into their into their job and ultimately their identity gets tied into that. So I appreciate you uh, raising awareness on the topic. Yeah, I value that. Greg, I know you're joining us kind of from a different background than we've ever had on the show before. We've always interviewed other first responders. And so I so value your willingness to talk about the topic because I've heard you talk about it in other spaces. Um, and I value some of what you've brought to that idea of detangling our identity from the work we've done. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your background is and what brings you to the topic in ways that maybe feel applicable here? Absolutely. Well, no, it's, it's an important topic and I think it's universal, uh, regardless of, of what your experience is. Um, you know, uh, I was just listening to another, uh, another piece that was very clear that even just from the age of being an infant, you very much have to build an identity, and that's what's often taught to, taught to you from the very beginning. I'm sure you're you've got lots right. of uh, opinions on that, Lindsay. Um, but myself, uh, I spent uh, 17 years with Shaw Communications um, here in, in, in Canada, and um, and quickly moved up the ranks as as internet was growing into leadership roles, um, and the culture of that organization very much um, required, I guess, might be the the best word. Um, required you to really represent the company. And I was familiar with representing other things. I, I played hockey growing up, so I represented my town. I represented my team. Um, yeah. So that really came natural to me on, uh, here's how that looks. Here's how that needs to be. I wore that uniform um, as a hockey player. And I didn't, didn't wear a uniform at work at Shaw, mm-hmm. um, but I did. I wore a different type of uniform. So I think it's, there's some very applicable things that, um, that, that cross over between the business world and how people identify with the company and represent the company that, that they're working for and first responders who are obviously representing an organization in a very high stressful yeah. situation. So I think there's yeah. a lot of opportunity to learn from, from both sides on what that feels like. Absolutely. I think you're totally right that it the, the piece about over-identifying with the work that we do is not unique to first responders. And I think we see that all across the board in terms of profession. Um, I think that there's kind of this like elevated level of it that we see for first responders because it is quite sheltering. Um, and the nature of things like shift work can remove some of the opportunities to have outside interests. So I, I hear from a lot of people who are like, if I worked a Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of a job, I might have time to like join that curling team or volunteer for that thing that would get me into spaces that would maybe help to counterbalance um, what my reality is when I'm in the work. But when I am working shift work, it's hard to make any of those commitments to something that's every Thursday from six till 10 or whatever. 
Um, and so it, it adds this layer of difficulty finding some of those protective layers. And so I think you're absolutely right that this is a very vast issue we talked about earlier in this series about how it's super messed up that the first question we really ask kids is what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I, I made this big stink about it in that episode that it's not a question of what do you think you want to do when you grow up, but it's what do you want to be? Like it's an identity question right off the hop. And I love that you have connected to that um, as yeah, like it's, it's something we're doing right from the get-go and we're setting people up for this belief that it's supposed to identify us somehow. Um, when each of you entered the work that you did, what were your thoughts at that point in time? If you can think back that far, what were your thoughts at that point in time about what you thought work-life balance was going to look like? And did you have any thoughts about what it was going to mean to try to guard your self-identity from becoming enmeshed in the work? Or was that just kind of a blind spot? Um, so for my experience, I can say that it was more of, um, you're not taking on a new role or a new career. You're actually becoming a part of the family and the RCMP really sells itself in that manner that you're joining a family, you're becoming a part of this elite team. And there's a sense of pride to step over and become so entwined into that. So I was 22, 23 years old. I wasn't thinking about whatever I was doing to protect myself. I was just super happy to be a part of this team. The more I worked, the more overtime I worked, the more files that came in, the more I was entwined in it and the happier I was. So I think it's a, I think it's a disillusion that, um, you know, the busier you are in your career and the higher up that you get, if you become, you know, they, they dangle the promotions and whatnot in front of you and you carry on throughout your career, sort of readjusting what your identity is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, for me, every time I was promoted, it was just more incentive to get more wrapped up into my career. It was more validation and to say, oh, here, you know, you're getting rewarded for, for giving up that other part of your life, for, yeah. for committing yourself wholeheartedly to this career. So that's the danger for me. If I could go back and talk to my 22, 23-year-old self, I would say there has to be more balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we force ourselves into balance when we have kids and we have a family. It becomes more of a natural um, transition into wanting to be at home and, and caring for our family more. But by that time, you're so entwined into what you're doing, that balance in itself becomes the issue because it, you're pulled in all these different directions. And I think from the very start going into a career, we need to commit ourselves to ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the language about committing ourselves to ourselves. I feel yeah, like that in my mind opens up 5,000 new questions about what you imagine that looks like, but maybe we'll get yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greg, how about for you? Like when you went into the work that you were doing with Shaw, it sounds like it was kind of this time that was evolving and you were being swept up in this period of time where internet is growing so exponentially and the transitions happen so quickly. So did you have thoughts at any point in time early in it about work-life balance and identity? You know, I really didn't. I really didn't. That that was absolutely a blind spot. I, I didn't, it probably never even entered my my vernacular yeah. that that was even a thing. It was just, well, you go to work and then at the end of the day, you, you 
go and do what you do. Um, when I when yeah. I joined, I was in, I was in the, on the sales team, so I was dealing with condominiums and apartment buildings and commercial locations. So I was often working evenings, um, right. and and sacrificing. But when I but when I made those sacrifices, I'd make a sale or I'd make a commission, so I'd get a reward. Um, yeah. So it paid off. Um, so those things that you give up, you slowly chip away at yeah. your free time. Because there's a like similar to what Jen said, there's a promotion or there's a there's a commission or there's a trip or there's a you know some kind of recognition at the end of it which shows up. Right, all those little like bait points. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I think organizations as well they're they're always trying to get more out of their people. Um, yeah. They're always striving for efficiency. Man, if we can get this job done with two people instead of four, we're going to go with the two that can do it. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, whether they're aware of the mm. imbalance they're driving into those people who are good at what they do, um, I don't know if there's really an awareness of that. I don't think organizations are intentionally trying to strip away that work-life balance or what they enjoy themselves as leaders. But I think it's just a thing that happens because people want to be successful. Mm. And maybe that's what they're pulling at is you want to be successful. Look at what so-and-so did Here's how they got there. Um, Emulate that. I think you're right. I don't know that it's necessarily this like deep, dark, malicious. How can we, you know, ruin people's (laughs) lives and make it so difficult and whatever. Um, I do think that organizations, my, my impression of them, is that they tend to be quite short-sighted in terms of caring really only about what gets us through this next fiscal year seeming yes. successful. Yes. Or the next five-year plan that we've pitched to our shareholders or the province funders or whatever, you know, whoever the stakeholders are in that organization. Well, let me let me jump in right there. Yeah, Lindsay, name apologies it. Apologies to interrupt you, but but the pace of business today is far shorter it's far shorter than a one-year a five-year plan it's i mean 10 years ago at shot we were talking about our 90-day plans right Um, like here's what the quarter is these days when's the next covid variant going to come out what's that going to do to our business how do we plan for that you're planning for the unknown all the time these days you just don't know what the weather's going to do if you're in construction that's going to impact everything you do when you put the snow tires on when do you shut the fleet down there's so many different things that are coming at everyone so fast these days. That cycle is yeah. really quick, and that's a lot of stress. Well, and I think there's this other piece that is connected to that short-sightedness. And I see this both in business as someone who owns a business, as well as in first response organizations. And it's this piece of recognition that the workforce is large. Our organizational needs are just for today. And so the the demand is the demand. We don't really care that much about what we ask of you today because we'll just train a new version of you tomorrow. And so it's this piece about, you know, like Jen's talking about this idea that family is built into the concept that we're presented and fed in some of these organizations. And yet in the background of it, there's really not the same appreciation from the top down of those, at least from a systems level top down, 
of those who are in it participating as the family members because that the perspective from there is that you're by and large replaceable. And so it's tricky because I think as the people in it, there's so much sacrifice and devotion that goes into the work. And yet given for organizations that at the end of the day will take that brand new rookie and pay them a third of what they're paying the more experienced person and be okay with that because at the end of the day, as long as the job is getting done or we can say that the job is getting done, it, we're meeting our standards. Yeah. Um, some of the language at Shaw at the time was so we had big call centers. So mm -hmm. the term we used was bums and seats. We just need bums and seats. So that sort of exemplified that yeah. we just need a basal level of performance here. Just get a butt in the seat. But the, the objective of the organization was to be efficient and be effective and do it properly and take care of those customers. Yeah. Well, a, a bum in a seat is not going to do that. So there's a gap there. Right. And the totally. people that, that wear that gap, um, the ones who really care and want to get the job done properly, are the ones that really struggle with that. Um, yeah. Rightly so, because yeah. they've got the, the best intentions um, in their mind and in their, in their actions, they want to do the job done right. And they get frustrated when it's not done properly. So I think there's a yeah. fair bit of that with the first responders as well. Um, I could sure. see that being a problem. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Greg. Like I think as soon as you tap into somebody's loyalty, you've got them right. Yeah. Like I think, I think if you have that, that sort of way about you, if that's your baseline, that you're loyal and you want to get things done, as an employer, you've you've done a really good job in, in retaining that employee because they're going to work their butt off. Yeah, I think where I see a gap too is that in today's world, um, success equals busyness, right? Like yeah. we're always running around, we're talking about how busy we are and we're juggling and we're balancing and we're doing all this stuff to just stay above water. And it almost becomes a bragging right it almost Absolutely. becomes this competition of, well, who, who's doing more? Who's, who's staying up later? Who's getting up earlier? Who's cramming more into their day that is associated with work? But I right. think, and I think COVID has played a big part in making us all step back a little bit and go, we don't, we don't need to be putting in 14-hour days, mm -hmm. right? Like we, we, we can stay at home and we can balance things and we can work and and, and still have those connections with our family without having to go out into this busy world of um, traveling and commuting and, and just forcing ourselves to put in those extra little hours because it makes us look busy and successful. I think we have to change that way of thinking. Yeah. I want to identify that I think that we've named some pieces that are really valuable. I feel like the pieces we're naming at this stage are kind of higher level, higher order pieces that are um, more systemic. We need to, as a society, as a culture, as a organization, identify how we trickle down these values in ways that have impact for those that we are employing and then those that we serve. From the like kind of bottom up perspective, from where you stand now and the experience and perspective you've gained as a result of having experienced this piece about over-identifying with work, what are your thoughts about what you might have done 
differently or how you would advise others who are in the trenches, who are in the thick of it around maintaining a healthier balance in terms of their identity and its relationship to their work? that we were recording oh. the video right now because that yeah. is from Jen was fantastic. That's a, <laughs> I have so many yeah. things that I would I would sort of uh, rewrite for myself and for individuals that are that are entering the job. Uh, it doesn't just stop at at balance or identity. It's wellness, you know, as a whole. Like I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of is all tied in. It's a bit cyclical in that, you know, you get tied into it. You're, you're wholeheartedly in this job. You don't look at the peripheral. You don't look at something coming down the pipes that might affect you negatively. You're just going forward. And it's, it's positive for when you're younger, but it catches up to you. And it's all kind of retroactive for me. It was retroactive. And that exhaustion and the fatigue of just going full bore all the time is so unhealthy. And then it leaves you vulnerable for other illnesses. Like for me, for advocating on, on for the PTSD, it, it's all part and parcel for how you yeah. start out and how you, um, I guess, how you engage the career that you're entering. I think you look at it as, for my kids, I would say, go into it um, with an open mind. Be passionate about what you do, but don't give up a piece of yourself for the the title or for the career. I I would say have the balance. Um, And that's just wellness. It's just a part of the wellness piece. What about for you, Greg? What are your thoughts? Uh, Well, I wrote something down here and... and, um... And I heard it at some point um, with Shaw, and it and the and the phrase goes, um, "It's what you do; it's not who you are." Okay. And I heard that when I was at Shaw, um, and my goodness, my Shaw was a cable company. The guys on my hockey team yeah. nicknamed, nicknamed me Cable. They named me Cable. Yeah. So yeah. that's how that's how strong that connection is between what you do totally. and and what how people see you. I know yeah. Jen's had that same experience outside of wearing her uniform and being on duty. They know she's yeah. an RCMP officer. Absolutely. It's obvious, right? So it's hard, it's hard to get away from that. Um, yeah. So I think she made a great point is it's about overall wellness. And I, I don't think when you're going into a, an employment or a job or a role that you're really thinking about that. You want to be successful in that job because mm-hmm. you're probably a younger person. You're starting on your career. You haven't got that experience yet that, you know, I better really think about my overall health. Um, right. <laughs> it just doesn't show up. Um, yeah. So I think there's there's perhaps some, um, some opportunity for organizations mm-hmm. to better embrace. And I think some are. You know, you hear about those places where, you know, they have foosball tables and, you know, uh, Zen rooms. And so I think companies are trying. But yeah. I think I think it's more than just a good barbecue. Um, yeah. I think it's real training that needs to happen and a real commitment to making sure people are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, checking in on your people. Absolutely. I think you're right that there's this very valuable organizational level piece in that that would contribute significantly towards shaping that to look quite a lot different than it does right now. I find that it shows up even in how I parent 
um, my son actually recently came home. Their class this week has been talking about goals. And so he came, he's in grade two. He came home this week and he says to me, mommy, we're learning about goals. And I've decided I have two goals. And I was expecting like, you know, I'd really like to get good at dribbling a basketball or something. No, I got, I'm going to be in the NBA and I'm going to be an engineer. And I was like, I feel like these are very lofty, but I, I love it. And I said to him, okay, that sounds amazing. And if you achieve either of those goals, I would be very delighted and proud of you. But tell me about the life you want to have, right? Like, don't tell me just about the, right? Like, I don't want the conversation to stop there. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds like a great idea, period, end of sentence. And that's where the conversation ends. I want us to have the conversation that says, that sounds like a really cool part of what you're dreaming about for your future. But like, what else? What else is involved in this more comprehensive concept of what it means to have a grown-up life? Um, but, you know, like, it's just how do we, right? How do we at multiple levels of this? How do we even identifying that we say to kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? How do we help indoctrinate ourselves to a different kind of language that we use in general life as a culture to ask kids, even differently, like what kinds of jobs do you think would be interesting for you when you get older, instead of what do you want to be, right? Or, you know, when you have a job when you're older, what do you imagine you're going to do outside of that time? Like, what are other passions that you're going to pursue as you grow up? And mm -hmm. can we invite kids to have like hobbies and interests that grow with them, instead of what we seem to do, which is leave so many of those behind in our childhoods, and never touch them as grown-ups because we're busy working. Yeah. I want to jump a little bit. So I know, Jen, at the start of this, you talked about how so many of your relationships were grounded in the work as well, that all of your family members and so many of your friends and so many of the connections you had were anchored to that work being kind of this like central identifying factor for so many of you. So as you guys have each kind of ventured away from work, what does it look like to have connections that are helpful for you as you step out of your work life that you've known and rebuild and reinvent a differently balanced life now? And what does it look like to cultivate broader or deeper or different kinds of connections that aren't just work focused? Um, I think part of the problem with the arse, well, not just, I think in policing, first responders in general, they go to some pretty dark stuff. So mm -hmm. there's that camaraderie piece where you have to sit down and have like-minded people that are going through the same thing so that you yeah. can have what it, you know, what is referred to as sometimes dark humor. You have to be able Absolutely. to vent and share those experiences with somebody who's, who's been right beside you, who's just looked at that same crime scene that you have. Um, yeah. But that that's where it kind of gets a little out of hand for for I think first responders because then all your pockets of friends are first responders so you go mm -hmm. out for coffee you go out for dinner you have your uh, evenings together and things start to spiral around work again so yeah. there's never really that detachment from your job to your friends and it wasn't until we started um, you know ha having friends that weren't in the police force that we really took a step back and went that's refreshing Right. Yeah. Like you don't want to be tied up into that darkness 100 percent of the time. It has a totally. purpose, 
but it was so important for us and and so healthy for us to just step step outside of that and just have those relationships with people that you know grounded you that made you realize that that that's not reality like reality isn't going to those files and seeing that darkness 100% of the time and I think for policing for me particularly I got very wrapped up into um into the camaraderie of that which Uh again speaking about wellness it did not serve me well so holding those relationships and having those friendships with with individuals that aren't a part of that is is paramount in my opinion yeah absolutely I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you say balance, right? Yeah. You, you need you kind of need those relations within that organization, but you also need balance outside of it. So, um, yeah, I think I think when you when you get to the level where you recognize that you need it, can now you're in a really powerful spot. Um, it's mm-hmm. your self awareness. So uh, I think maybe Lindsay is is how do we how do we get more people getting to that point of self awareness sooner? So they can take care of themselves before they're so far down the rabbit hole um, that they just don't know where to turn. Welcome to why the podcast exists. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it's a great point, right? Like we've been talking about how, like what stage is somebody at, Greg? You know, you talk about a bum in the chair. It depends on that individual. And it depends on how groomed they've been and, and those conversations, how those conversations keep going with you know, parents and with, with the people that they respect from a very young age to start educating them on <clears throat> the fact that they, they can't go 100% into their job. Be passionate about it. Um, but it is very, it, it's very specific to the person's personality, what they've been growing up around, who they see as their parents, what their parents do. Um, I constantly have those conversations with my kids and you know, they, they feel that anxiety and that worry about what am I going to be when I grow up? Um, I don't want them to have that anxiety. I want them to be passionate about something and not go in 100% into something that's going to exhaust them and sort of exchange their identity for not not who they are, but what they do. I think I think that's yeah. important. We have to we have to reiterate to our kids and start early that it doesn't make up who they are. It's a job. Yeah. 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 I think throughout this series, the word that we've used a lot is this piece about diversification, right? So instead of becoming so wholly kind of all or nothing, all of my people are at work and all of my identity is at work and all of my sense of meaning is at work, that we diversify. It's valuable for me to have people at work. Absolutely it is. We're not saying... We'll now cut all ties with anyone that's work people because that's unhealthy. Like, that's not better. It's just that you're right, Jen, when my only people encircle me to continue telling a story that says the world is terrible, awful, dark, and scary all of the time, my mental health is going to continually internalize that the world is dark and scary and terrible and awful all of the time. And that will start to become my inner narrative about the world at large. And how does that benefit me? And it's not accurate, right? We for sure see different sides of life in this kind of work. You're exposed very differently. But that has to be counterbalanced with the fact that like joy and goodness and wonderful things still exist 
And we can lose track of that if we're not surrounding ourselves quite intentionally with people who see that part of the world and can yeah. mirror that back to us at different points in time. Agreed. I also think that there's this interesting piece about even the relationships within work. And I'm going to use an example from a, a time in my own life. I had a friend who I knew when I was doing my master's degree. And a master's in counseling is a pretty intensive program because you are counseling each other like day one. Um, so I knew everyone else in my cohorts like deepest, darkest secrets before I knew their last name, which is weird. Like that's not how relationships generally function. Um, and it's a really high intensity program. So there's a lot of demand. You're spending a lot of time there. And so I had this one friend and I knew that I really liked her. I knew that we could be the kinds of friends that stayed friends after the program. But we got caught in this cycle of only ever talking about school. And so we would talk about school when we're at school. We one time skipped this really boring class one time um, and went to the mall and we were still talking about school. And I remember that day saying to her, we really have to be careful about this because if we're not careful, the only connection we're going to have is school. And when school's done, we're not going to stay friends because we haven't built anything else into this. And so we started a rule that when we were on campus, we could talk about school. We could complain about all the things that were hard and uncomfortable and whatever. But if we were not on campus, school was off the table unless we were working on a project. So if we were out together, if we were at each other's houses, hanging out, school is not a reference point that we were invited to talk about. We were forced to try to find other ways of connecting. And she is the only person from my program that I maintained friendship with outside of the program because that investment happened. And I think that's one of the, the pieces, even within the work relationships, is we can get really caught in the work relationship, getting really tied up in the narrative of the work that we're doing, the debriefing, the calls kinds of pieces, when all of us theoretically have lives outside of this that we could be interacting about a bit more to even offer some more of that counterbalancing within the work and bringing some of that like joy, good, hopeful, into the spaces that maybe feel a bit tainted by the dark and scary. And so if we were able to be a bit more intentional about that, I think there could even be a shift within some of those cultural interactions. Yeah. Sure. When you were when you were talking, Lindsay, what came to mind for me was 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 what if you came up with a spectrum of colors and mm-hmm. and you assigned a certain color, whatever fits for you, to, to your work time. What if you had a certain color, color to friend time, certain color to, you know, self-improvement time, and, and you help people sort of, you know, get a visual that relates to how they're actually spending their time and what's, what seems to be overtaking their thinking, yeah. then, then maybe there's a tool that can help people say, I'm really thinking about this an awful mm-hmm. lot. So yeah. I need to bring some more of that color in here to get back to balance because, and I don't know yeah. what that balance would be, but but some way for people to see that they're, I'm missing something yeah. and give them a tool to, to sort of realize that there's something missing here for me, or there's way too much of this going on and I don't know what to do. Um, totally. I don't know. Maybe that's a tool that, that, that young people could, could really look to you know, again, when you're asking your son, yeah. okay, if you, if you had your engineering career and your basketball career side by side, what color would you put those as? Well, what about time with 
family, you know? What about senior cousins or whatever? Um, yeah. What colors would you put to those and how important are those? Oh, I want lots of that. You know, totally. so just to help people see that there's so much to life and you can build your own spectrum, but it also might give you a way to see that, okay, I'm getting a little heavy here. I'm getting a little light there. I need to do some mm -hmm. rebalancing here. Totally. I love your, you're right that it is this like gradient kind of piece, right? That yeah. there's no absolutes. There's no like, and when I, when I cross this threshold, I'm healthy. And when I cross it the other direction, I'm unhealthy. And it's this hard right. and fast place. And I think that that also is true over time, right? Like when we start careers, when we're young, we might not have a spouse or kids or, or right. any of those other demands on our plate. And so we might feel quite okay with investing more of ourselves into our work because I have the time and I have the energy and I got to pay the bills. And, you know, like yep. it's, it's a time in life where maybe that balance looks different and it could be okay. Yep. Potentially. Sup supposing that we also maintain some amount of groundedness outside of the work. But, but then when, when that becomes the baseline that expectations are built up from that this is now my minimum contribution and I'm only supposed to grow it from here because that's what it's supposed to look like to do professional life is it gets bigger and harder and more and promotion and you know those things then that baseline is an, an, an inappropriate reference point as the jumping off point to this career right and so it does probably need to like shift and adapt and change over time as new demands come into play but if I'm not conscientious and intentional about looking at that, mm -hmm. then we do get swept into just the like, okay, so it's Monday. So I get up and I go to work and I pour hard and then I come home and I sit on the couch and I veg out and I go to bed and I wake up tomorrow and I do it all again. And we lose ourselves in that monotony of daily life. Yeah. If we don't step back from it to take a look at it, whether that's with like a color visual representation or even just the ability to slow myself down long enough to go like is this working for me do I like my life yeah. what do I like about it what are the pieces that feel like they bring out the most in me the best in me who are the people that make me feel like I'm my best version of me yeah and are those all at the work that I do or do I want to spend more time in spaces that maybe draw that out of me in other ways yeah, I think it's about changing that conversation for when the kids are younger, when we're getting into those careers and those interests. But I think it's also about creating the resiliency throughout your careers to know that if something happens, um, yes. for me, you know, it was difficult going from 100 to zero. So that transition yeah. from going, you're just busy, you're on call all the time to now being retired. It's extremely difficult. And I'm sure, Greg, that that part was really hurtful for you, too. You're a part of this big company. You're at the executive levels. And then all of a sudden, that's gone. That is extremely painful. And it takes a long time to come back from that if you're not preparing yourself for um for such an occasion and I think that's about building resiliency and it's about building awareness for uh the fact that we are you know we're all vulnerable to that happening at any given moment you've got to be ready for it so what do you think you could have done differently that would have helped you be ready for it balance. Well, one thing you one yeah balance yeah balance. okay but, but, but <laughs> we're just naming it it's the b word <laughs> But what is that, right? What how do you, how do you how do you define that? Um, 
well, right back at the start, Lindsay, you were, you were talking about something, and Jen hit it as well, is that it, within Shaw, it was very, um, loyalty was one of the values. One of the company values yeah. was loyalty. So I was good at that. Um, so, yeah. when, so then when I left, when I got taken out, um, all my all my relationships were inside of Shaw. So many of them, like the majority. Yeah. And, and how it kind of worked there was when someone leaves, Oh, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Um, so when when you're all of a sudden you have that uniform stripped away from you, you've done nothing wrong, but it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's just gone. Um, yeah. Your identity. It's your identity. There was just where where do you land? You just yeah. you're just falling. And some of it's kind of enjoyable because the stress just drips off. You know, mm-hmm. you get up the next morning and oh, I got. Oh no! Actually, I don't have to deal with that issue anymore. Yeah, and that goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I don't have yeah. to deal with that anymore. I don't have to handle this. I don't have to put up with that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's a, there's an enjoyment there at, at, at the same time. Um, but what, one thing at that Shaw that was very clear was um, for leaders: we don't want you um, spending too much time in the community. We don't want you, you know, if you get too involved with the Chamber of Commerce, for example, well, we don't pay you to work for the Chamber of Commerce. We pay you to work for Shaw. So, Mm -hmm. again, I didn't have many relationships outside of people who worked at Shaw. Um, Right. And and that was one thing. If I I could go back, I would have absolutely gotten way more involved in the the community and in the business community and whatever other Mm -hmm. interesting things that were going on that I might have been able to help with with my transferable skills. I did very, very little of that, and I really regret that because um, there's so much mm-hmm. more that that um, that I would have been able to impact in different ways. Um, looking back, yeah, yeah, yeah. The diverse networking is not just it's not just a part of being a company and a part of um, a job that you're doing, but that diverse networking uh-huh. also becomes a part of our um, integrity after we are left without our jobs. And right. I think um, I think that was a big problem for me is that you get the, your identity wrapped up into your career. You go from 100 to nothing. And then you, for me, I've got four children. I'm, I'm, a, I'm happily married. I've got all of these great things. But yet I felt like I had no purpose. Yeah. So my purpose was wrapped up into my identity and my identity was my career. So that part, that, that's a discussion that we have to start changing in, in the younger kids and getting them to realize that, you know, their purpose is, is everything good that they do. It's not just yeah. their one career. It's, it's, there's so much more to that. And I'm, I'm still working through that. You know, I have so much purpose. And yet, because I'm not tied in with what I thought my identity was, where is my purpose? And it's yeah. such a mistake. Who, who am I now? Who am I now? Yeah. Mothers whose whose kids have left the house. Yeah. Who am I now? Yeah. It's it's the exact really. same feeling. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. I think there's this really interesting thing where, um, you know, in parenting, they, there's that quote that's like, the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. It's kind of true in life more broadly, right? That like, it feels long right? The day-to-day, the Monday, Tuesday, like, you know, it, it feels long and drawn out, which makes it feel kind of static. Like what is today will be again tomorrow, will be again five years from now. And it feels like that's just how my life is. 
And yet over the years, it goes quite quickly. And if we don't do things today to contribute towards five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're writing our ending. We just don't know it, right? And so I've always found it interesting when I first started in private practice, this was funny. So I had come from working in a women's facility doing domestic violence work almost exclusively with women. And then I started my private practice and my first five clients who all started the same week were all men who were all retiring and they all had the same story. It was, I have built my whole identity into this job. I have retired recently. I thought it was going to go like this, but now that I'm in it, I've discovered that I hate golfing. I hate all of my friends. I hate everything about life and I have no idea what to do. Um, and I remember sitting there being like, uh huh. This is very different work than the work I've been, I've been doing and preparing for, but fascinating to me that this was just so consistently the same story. It didn't matter what their jobs were. Like one was a house painter, another one is high corporate executive. Like it didn't matter. It's the same piece of I poured my whole self into this one thing. I imagined that the, the, rainbow kind of like the the end of the rainbow the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is that I would travel and I would golf every day and I would do all these things and now that I'm here it's not as great as I thought it was going to be and it's in part because I haven't been golfing this whole time I just thought I would pick up golf and it would be awesome and I'd do it every day and my life would be great now it wasn't that I have invested and poured myself into these relationships over time and now I get to like experience and enjoy them more it's now I am trying to like pick up relationships I've barely invested in for the last 25, 30 years. And it turns out I don't like them as much as I thought I did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's this, if we, if we believe that it's a static period of time where I'm working and then there's a static period of time where I'm retired and we're not contributing towards a transition that sets this up for success, it won't be successful. Whether that's retirement because I hit retirement age or retirement because I just can't be in this work anymore it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I think we all really work hard on financially being prepared for retirement. But I think there's two pieces to it too. I think there's retirement and then uh, then there's being laid off or being let go. And there's two yeah. different scopes to that, right? Like you, if you're retiring, you're making a decision to retire. There's still issues that come with that, heavy issues. But for, yeah. for ones that are laid off or you're not expecting to be let go and your identity is tied up into your work, there is yeah. a, there is a strong um, feeling of being you know let down and and yeah. uh, not appreciated. Your self worth yeah. tends to take a little bit of a hit with that too. So there's there's totally. definitely a lot of preparing that you have to do with retiring, but also having a plan for if something happens, what is my plan B? Yeah, not tying Fair everything enough. on, not putting all your cards on the table for one job. I think that would be my, yeah. my main direction for people coming up the line. I mean, I feel like we're kind of hitting the same pieces and I, I mm -hmm. love that we're doing this, that, that the series has already really identified, right? Like I feel like I've said a lot during this series so far um, about not putting all our eggs in one basket, which is kind of what we've just named, right? This piece about diversification and balance. And that these are pieces that if, if we can attend to them, if we can like bring them to the forefront of our minds, we can be intentional about working at implementing pieces along the way that, that feed into that. And the difficulty is, is if we don't bring it to the forefront, we just won't ever touch it, 
right? It'll like back burner back there. Oh, someday I'll attend to those things. But we, we won't. We'll get caught in the Monday to Friday. We'll be stuck in the routine. And then we'll hit that time where we're like, oh, dang, I really wish I would have done those things. Because yeah. here we are and it's hard. Right. Okay. So yeah. recognizing our time. Parting thoughts. Greg, I'm going to let you start. What do you want to, what do you want people to walk away from today having heard? Well, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of our discussion today was, was really around touch and base with yourself um, yeah. and how important that is. Um, even when you think you're humming along and you're, everything's going great and things are just super right now, it's everything you've ever wanted and you're loving it. Also check in and, and see what's maybe missing a little further inside, a layer or two back. Um, yeah. and, and start, start looking at, well, how can I have more of that? How can I have more yeah. free time? How, how can I play a game of golf a week to use your example from yeah. earlier? Um, how can I start to, to ramp up some of these other things, knowing that, you know, I'm at a high point in my career right now and that's going to be heavy and that's fine. Um, but how do I, you know, that's going to ramp. I want to ramp that down a bit because I want these other things to ramp up. Um, yeah. how can I start to transition? So I think it's about being intentional. I think it's about getting a, getting some awareness of yourself. You know, trying some of those weird things. Try meditation. Do some yoga. You know, find try something just off the wall that helps you get back in touch with yourself. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think more the more people can do that kind of thing, then when they're hit with one of these major life changes, they've got some tools they can turn to. Um, to take yeah. care of themselves um, and know that it's not going to be easy. It's not, but yeah. you know, you can do some things right now. It's not easy to run a marathon. So what do you do? You, you, you run in advance, don't you? You ramp totally. up, you ramp up. I don't, so, I same don't, kind of thing. I don't run a marathon. There's no way. <laughs> I just don't do it. <laughs> that, that's an alternative as well. But, 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 but even to use the, uh, even to use the investment thing, you don't, you don't, you know, just go and invest. $200,000 in a stock, you slowly totally. ramp up, you learn, you lean yeah. in, you learn your way in, right? It's the same kind of idea. Yeah. Um, take care of yourself and, and know you're not going to get it right, right now. Give yourself some time, yeah. learn it and grow it. Yeah. I love that. Those are great parting thoughts. I, the only thing I would tack on to that, to the learn it and grow it is adapt it, right? Like yeah. it's not just checking in today it's checking in a little bit, lots of times and yeah. kind of going, well, this thing that was working for me, I kind of had a balance I was really liking, but then, you know, I got sick and I can't do that one thing anymore. And now it's off kilter and I need to re-kilter it, you know, like I need to rebalance. And so what is yeah. that going to look like? And that there's going to be these different kind of checkpoints along the way that we have to, we have to take some pause to say yeah. on with some amount of regularity, how about now? Okay, and how about now, right? And that it might have to adapt and change as we grow and our lives change. Yeah. All right, Jen, parting thoughts? Um, I, th I feel like we've covered so much of it. I, I, th I think just to reiterate that I, I would just offer that, um, you know, never miss an opportunity to connect with people. Oh. We network so heavily in our jobs and in our work, but I, I don't think we... I, you know, if somebody calls you up and says, let's go grab a drink or let's go have lunch, don't, you, being busy shouldn't be a response to that. 
I think we always yeah. need to take a step back and, and have those connections for ourselves. And um, it builds a layer of resilience. You, you've got people yeah. in your back pocket that you can always go to and chat about things when, when things get tough. You don't always have to wear everything yourself. And I would just say that we all need to do a better job of making our kids realize that their yeah. value, their purpose isn't tied up into their job. Um, yeah. I, I think I think it's more than that. It's deeper. So lots of education pieces to be had. Yes. Well, and the therapist part of me, like, kind of wants to grow that because you're right. We should parent that better. And I think that as we parent that better for our kids, there's this extra layer of challenge that we could add for ourselves to essentially work at reparenting the own, you know, inner child piece of us that was raised with that narrative ourselves, right? So when I hear myself saying to my kids, right, but what kind of life do you want to have? I hear that in my head too, right? Like I'm not just asking them, I'm kind of checking in with me. What kind of life am I having? Does that, do I feel cool about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we give that opportunity to ourselves to kind of give ourselves a different experience of what it meant to be parented and have those messages given to us mm. as we work to do that differently for our kids, knowing what the cost of how we were parented, good, bad, or otherwise, has been for us. Right. Yeah. 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 I am so grateful for the two of you and for your willingness to jump into this call, not totally knowing where we would go and how, you know, the trajectory of it all. I always love that we have this plan, these ideas of what we're going to talk about, but it always has this way of shaping as we go. And this has been <laughs> so wonderful. I really Same appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for Same having Same as life, true story. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say one more big thank you to Jen and Greg for joining me today and sharing their stories, experiences, and insights. As we wrap up today, I want to remind you to please reach out and connect if you have any questions or feedback for me or for either of my guests. I'd be happy to share it along to them. You know I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. I love hearing about what you're working on and how you're using what we talk about on this show. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss where you can follow me or tag me, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. I'm grateful as always that many of you are really keen to share about Behind the Line and spread the word to others on the front lines about this resource. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. Click subscribe to get alerts about our latest episodes, or subscribe to our email list to hear from me about all the exciting things we have going on and coming up. You'll find all the details you need in the show notes, along with links to our Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide to help facilitate self-assessing burnout and related concerns. We make all of this available to you because you work hard and the work you do matters. But more than that, you matter. And we want to make sure you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of the work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.